0: Welcome to Hit Refresh, And today's topic is personal finance. We have with us Mr. Luke Hoffman. And we're going to have a good conversation about, basically, financial literacy. As we are in a part of our lives where we are about to graduate, we'll get a job probably, or you we'll go for higher studies. Either ways, you need to know how to manage your money, because that's one thing we're not exclusively taught in either school or college or anywhere. That's something you usually learn either from your parents or you're yourself curious and you want to, you know, Know about it, and that's how you usually are introduced to the topic. So, we're going to give a lot of information here, and we're going to list some other references which we personally, as co hosts, have used.
1: So, it's going to be interesting. So, before we go ahead, I just want to introduce our guest first. Luke is the founder and CEO of First Root Inc., their mission is to create the next generation of impact investors. The unique go-to market strategy supports all stakeholders as youth use participatory budgeting to invest real money in their schools. Luke is also the author of four books, numerous articles, and cited as an inventor on more than a dozen patents. He's also internationally recognized expert in agile software development. So, as we said, we're going to talk about personal finance. So, can we have an just an overview of what personal finance
2: means to you? In your personal life, there's a distinction between a personal finance knowledge and a financial decision. And what I mean by that is um, I'm married. Uh, I have four kids. Uh, two are in high school, two are in college. And so they're they're getting older, right? And uh, my wife and I have had the same minivan for 14 years. <laughs> and... With a family of four, it looks like it's been used by a family of four. I mean, it's got dents, it's got scrapes, it's missing a hubcap. Eh. And we're like, okay, we're just going to wait, you know, until it, it breaks down, right? We're we're at the stage where there's no more major repairs. It's, we're just running it, like the phrase in America, I don't know if you have this in India, is, it's called running it into the ground. We're going to run it into the ground. We're going to run it until it breaks. <laughs> yeah. Now. I'm also a runner. My wife and I are both runners. And uh, so I'm out there buying running shoes. Now, personal finance knowledge is about things like what is an investment? What is a stock? What is a bond? Personal finance decision-making is the ability to compare two investments. Right now, your generation has, really interesting and somewhat hard choices to make, right? Let's say you had um, a thousand dollars to invest. Well, should I get an NFT? Should I put it in Ethereum? Uh, Should I put it in Doge? Should I put it in Pepsi stock? Should I put it in Apple? Apple's now worth three trillion. Um, Will it continue to grow? What about Tesla? Tesla's had this amazing run and Tesla's a pretty cool company, right? Um, And then you start to think about, well, do I wanna put it into an oil company? Well, maybe you decide personally, like, you know, I don't think petrochemicals are good for the environment or um, a cigarette company like Juul. Like you might say, you know, I don't think Juul is really aligned with my values of health. So we 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 have a couple of components here, right? We've got the knowledge of how to make a personal financial decision and then the skill to compare investments. But something that is missing is as you age, your investment and choices with money are never a personal matter. And let me explain what I mean by that. If I go out and buy a new pair of running shoes, my wife doesn't care because she knows and she's a regular runner. I'm a runner. I don't care what running shoes she buys because it's a small purchase. It's a frequent purchase and it's within our budget right i mean in in the grand scheme of things a pair of running shoes every few months is is part of what we budget
0: yeah. how
2: do you think my wife would feel if i just drove home in a brand new car and i never asked her anything about it yeah. that's that's horrifying <laughs> that that's horrifying <laughs> right think, yeah. well would she be surprised or would she be a little mad i guess both <laughs> depends yes. on the car <laughs> well, okay, I drive home in a new minivan, and I'm like, here's your new minivan. She'd be like, really? You didn't even ask yeah. me? If I drove home in a new, like, Porsche? Probably bad, right? Probably, yeah. Like, what are you getting a Porsche for? I gotta haul groceries and kids. I mean, you know, so... Yeah. So now we realize that personal finance decisions are, are not personal. They're about a relationship. And so you asked... Uh, about how do I apply these concepts in my day-to-day life? Well, in my day-to-day life, I'm having relationships about money and having conversations with money at every facet of my life. In my corporate world, I'm having conversations about how we invest our corporation's money to create the best outcomes in the products and services we're creating. What features should I build? In our civic life, I'm talking with my fellow citizens. We, we pay taxes. How do I want those taxes to be spent? Do I want them to be spent on a new road, on refurbishing a road, on um, uh, upgrading a hospital, cleaning up a park, uh, cleaning up a, a part of the area, like adding um, more sanitation? Like These are really hard choices. And the, the really hard part is that they're all good choices And it's only through conversation can we come up with something that we believe in and find acceptable. And in my personal life, really significant decisions. I would never buy a new house without talking with my family. I would never buy a new car without talking with my family. We don't even take vacations without talking to each other. Where do you wanna go? Um, uh, Even something as simple as you two after this podcast saying, hey, let's go out to dinner and talk about how we're gonna edit it. Where do you wanna go to dinner? Because we care about the opinions of other people. And what the one of the things that's challenging about personal finance is, and this is something that everyone needs to really take into heart who's listening to this podcast is personal finance is never personal. It's always a conversation and a relationship with someone else. Yeah, so uh, while we are talking about personal finance,
3: we actually uh, saw this uh, recent post of yours on LinkedIn which actually said that uh passive income and uh there's this, this side hustle culture which is cultivating among people these days where people actually believe that they can earn and consistent money without putting in too much effort uh, into in whatever they are doing so uh what are the pros of pros and cons of having uh, such a side hustle and uh where where does it lead people to
2: side hustles are a really interesting phenomena. um they we have a whole new way of talking about work and it's it i think it is centered more on younger people like you the younger generation the generation that's coming in um gen z um, and millennials um but this notion of a side hustle right which is i don't have just one job see when i was growing up you were taught you get a job right and you're gonna stay at that job and and the notion of a side hustle really wasn't um, uh, talked about. Now we have more of an entrepreneurial culture around the world. We have more acceptance. And so now we have people who have a main job in a side hustle or they are stringing together a income through multiple side hustles. And I think there's a couple of reasons why. One is um, the recession that everyone lived through affected young people very deeply. It created a sense of uh, mistrust. It created a sense of of a lack of foundation. I'm working hard on this one job I was supposed to get and I'm doing hard work and I'm producing good results. And for no reason of my own through forces that no one can control, I got fired. Young people are seeing massive wealth accumulation with rich people becoming unbelievably wealthy. And you're like, okay, they're massively wealthy and it's disproportionate. So um, where is the sense of equity? Uh, where's the sense of I'm, I'm working hard too? Um, there There's a there's a consultant in Silicon Valley, I won't name his name. And uh, he makes a, a lot of money as a consultant. And he, he walks around explaining to people how he's so great, because he helped eBay become successful. And he didn't help eBay come become successful. He was just lucky. He was like the 70th employee of eBay. So you 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 put any human as the 70th employee of eBay, and they're yeah. gonna look like they're a massive success, regardless of what they did. And and so you start to realize like a lot, some of this is luck, some of this, and you're you're feeling frustrated. So what I'm seeing and and my interpretation of what I'm seeing is that uh, side hustles are starting to occur for young people, for old people at all levels of society. And uh, it's a, it's a fact of life. So now given Pranav that it's a fact of life, let's talk about whether or not it's good or bad on the good side of a side hustle. I think it allows people to pursue passions. Uh, Sometimes And by the way, I want to be careful about my advice. I really do think that people should do the work they love, but I also realize that work you love isn't always paid the same as work you may not love. Um, Meaning if you you guys are both programmers, one of you might be an artist and one of you might be a musician. Well, artists and musicians are work that we love, but unless you're extraordinary good, you know, like you're Ariana Grande or someone, you're not going to make a living at it. So mm-hmm. your side hustle might be, uh, and, and, and in my last company, my chief technology officer, Dan, he loved playing music. He played guitar. So he had his side hustle as being uh, in, in a band that was good enough to get paid. Um, so he actually, now as a, from a developer's perspective, the amount of money he made on his side hustle was not material. So on the good side, side hustles are really cool because they let you pursue your passions. Um, Sometimes developers who work for me, they'll say, hey, Luke, I I could get a side hustle doing a little programming for a different company. And I'll be like, okay, are they competitive with us? And if they're not competitive, I always say yes because I think that um, working on two problems, sometimes in different languages, sometimes in different tech stacks, let's you improve your knowledge about, Oh, okay. Flutter does it this way. Um, and I'm at my main job using react. I might be able to take that flutter pattern and apply it to react. And I think that that happens a lot now on the negative Mm -hmm. side of side hustles, um, a side hustle may not provide, uh, uh, the benefits that are necessary to be successful. And I can't speak to other parts of the world in terms of their healthcare, uh, in the United States, we have a really not great healthcare system because of the insurance and other things. And so you really do need a job that's going to provide some form of health care. Many side hustles in America don't provide health care. And so it's a kind of a dangerous choice to make, um, along with other benefits that are often lacking in a, in a side hustle. The second thing is that uh, side hustles can be challenging to manage in terms of time. One of the nice things about having a regular job is that you have a regular schedule. As you get older, you might want to have kids and and having a side hustle with, with variable working hours can make it harder to have a family or have family relationships. So I don't think that there's a universal positive or negative about side hustles. I do think that it's a new part of the world or a new part of our life that side hustles are here to stay. And, and um, we need to help people understand how to manage them and how to benefit from them. Yes, Yes, yes.
0: And no, exactly what you said is what I read I guess a couple of weeks ago in a book, Psychology of Money, that's exactly what it says that the money decisions or monetary decisions that we make is basically based on our history and what we have experienced as ourselves. And as you said, that maybe many children have seen their parents go through the period of recession and seen the amount of stress or the problems that come to the family, and they are now in a mindset of. know getting multiple streams of income and all of that new things which have come with it but yeah it it is i guess it is something that we need to accept at this point and we can't go against it so you just go with it and you adapt with whatever happens and try to do the good part of it and try to avoid the bad part so yeah the only thing
2: i would add to the to the listeners is um i'm going to speak both as a father and i'm going to speak also as an employer i my kids have a couple of side hustles um um, they're they're going to school but they have um part-time jobs or side hustles my only um recommendation to people is to be intentional like if you can get side hustles in the modern world um but choose something that ideally is going to try and help you go forward so when i was your age I also went to school, I went to the University of Michigan, but I also did um, some side hustles uh, in uh, programming. But I always chose side hustles that would help me learn something while I was doing the work. And so one w- one famous example of that was I was a C plus C++ programmer like Pranav, and I wanted to learn small talk. So okay there were no classes at Michigan about small talk and I really wanted to learn this language. So I found a part-time job where a company wanted something written for them and they don't care what language you're in. So I got the job and I just put in the contract, I'll write the system in small talk. Well, the business owner didn't care what language I wrote the program in. he's like, yeah, I don't care. Just make sure it does these things for my business and so in in the process i got paid to learn how to program in small talk that's to me the design of a side hustle that's intentional you know pranav if you said hey i'd really you know i i I really like to learn scala and it's not taught in school or it's not part of my university find a consulting job you know do a fiverr do a whatever and now it's so much easier you you may not be paid as much as you could get doing something else as long but as long as you're paid enough you're getting something even more valuable you're building your knowledge and you're building your skills and i think what we sometimes forget that you you it, when you're young you you have two criteria to and this is for the financial literacy side when you're young you have two important criteria for every job you take one you have to have enough money but two the job has to provide learning that advances your career. Be intentional about the jobs you take
0: yeah that's that's a brilliant piece of advice for everyone because especially and this also connects with my next question so that's brilliant so and everyone's getting into side hustles like hey we'll just invest in crypto and we'll just invest in those Do- we, we'll invest in doge and everything and we'll see where it takes us and elon musk will tweet something and it'll, it, the price will increase and i'll make money so that's that's a good thing so that being said my question is basically that nowadays a lot of people are like investing in risky financial assets like crypto or derivatives on stocks and etc which usually attract more returns but again if there's more return then the risk is high as as well so how do we manage our money with these and like how or should we just stay away from them
2: so i want to go back so there's a there's a couple of things that you asked about and i want to be uh, in a sense really provocative on this phone call you need to it saying investing in crypto as a side hustle is doesn't meet my criteria of a good choice because there's nothing to learn honestly i mean you know any any reason i'm not talking about inventing the blockchain inventing the, the invention of the blockchain was sheer brilliance that a uh, distributed ledger as a concept is is absolutely brilliant and and we're all computer scientists on this uh, uh together here even if the listeners aren't um, yeah. Tejas, Pranav, and I are all c- trained computer scientists, and we will tell you that the invention of the blockchain from a technological algorithm and data structure point is absolutely brilliant, Like, right? There's no hands, hands down, it's it's absolutely amazing. However, investing in crypto and trying to make a fast return is not advancing your knowledge. Anyone can look at some crypto assets and make a, Decisions, some of those decisions are going to work out, some are not going to work out, but that's not, um, that doesn't meet my criteria. Now, if you said, I'm going to invest some money in Ethereum and I'm going to take a little bit of the profits I make in Ethereum and write a, a DAP, a distributed app, and learn how to write a DAP, man, that's great because now you're actually advancing your knowledge, you're growing in your skills. So i think we want to take a notion of when when i use the term side hustle i mean something that you're paid for but a good side hustle is something that advances you as a person it advances your knowledge it advances your skill now let's talk about investments and and investments in in um assets Uh, a a a well-constructed portfolio for any person is Uh, based on a mix of assets that have different um, risk profiles and different return profiles. And even Morgan (sighs) Hassel, whose book you referenced, The Psychology of Money, now his his general perspective is very, very, very uh, conservative. He would never invest in crypto, or I I would doubt he would put any material money in crypto. Yes. However, when you're younger, you can typically absorb... um, um, more risk. Uh, So uh, investing in crypto or putting some of your assets in crypto um, would seem to me to be an acceptable choice, provided it was part of an overall investment strategy. Um, I'm not yet convinced, for example, that young people should put every dime into crypto. I'm not convinced that people should put every dime into super risk Or every uh, rupee into super risky stocks. Um, However, I do think that when you're young, your portfolio should be weighted towards things that are associated with growth because you're growing. And as you age, uh, your assets will naturally start to change a little bit um, to less risky and more um, um, uh, income. But you've got decades ahead of you, right? In, In your life, you've got 40, 50 years, and and this is the challenging part. Most investing is actually really pretty boring. Um, uh, The the notion of, I'm checking my investments every day, the notion that I need to make trades every day, it's really, uh, statistically, it is the least likely way to actually make wealth the most likely way to make wealth is to pick a few bets and um, uh, ride them out Uh, and one of the books so you referenced a book the psychology of money another book that i would recommend to listeners if you haven't read this yet is called the art of execution and in the art of execution they study uh, the investment performance and what you find is that um, two things emerge for the people who do the best in investing. One is if something's going wrong, they pull out quickly. So they put in stop loss orders and, and listeners, if you don't know what that is, you can find out uh, about it on the web. Um, but they are very conscious about, um, if things are really going badly, don't keep investing, pull out, change your, change your strategy. And the second thing is if things are going well, double you know add more money to go going what's going well and ride it up because you you do have these asymmetric returns in the stock market not every stock is going to do the same because in life we have asymmetric returns about companies um now the last thing about investing in crypto is I think uh and I'm by the way this is exciting topic for me because I'm also learning right now I'm I I'm learning more right now about NFTs. I'm very interested in uh, some of the emerging structures. Like when NFTs first came out, I was like, eh, okay, you can buy a piece of digital, uh, a digital asset. It has a unique serial tag or whatever, okay. But lately there's been some really interesting work with um, uh, NFTs that make it, I think, a more interesting structure like royalty payments for, um uh, artists we've had that in the music industry for um hundreds over a hundred years we've had royalty payments um now we're getting it into nfts (laughs) so um i think that uh, one of the interesting things about nfts is like i said when they first came out i was like okay i get it. it it's you know, it's a unique asset, and people are buying them and selling them. It's no different than, you know, something else that people buy and sell. But now, some of the new protocols—they're very interesting, and I'm investing time in learning about them again because um, they mimic more of of the more sophisticated behaviors of the world, which is interesting.
0: No, no, exactly. Like NFTs, especially because of the royalty factor of that. That because of that part, NFT has a brilliant future especially but not only that then the whole conversation of the metaverse and everything comes into context and then nfts and it's we we as we ourselves have a whole episode focused just on nfts metaverse so that's a whole another conversation to have but incredibly exciting you can't i mean especially when both of us started researching about it we couldn't stop we were just like one video after the other we just want to know more because it is something which is really going to be the future
2: and that's really exciting yeah and i have kids as you know and so of course i give my kids my perspective and my advice and um a couple of things is it's helpful to get into investing as early as possible. And my kids have had their brokerage accounts since they were 16. Uh, some people go even younger. Um, and the the money that they invested is their money. And so my kids have all had jobs. Um, so one of my kids works right now at Starbucks. Um, one of my kids is so young that they can't really get a job. So they do side jobs, they do side hustles, They um she walks dogs uh she teaches swim lessons um so she she does stuff like that um she even made dog biscuits and sold them um at, at the dog park um but it's her money and and i think that the other psychology that's really important is people behave differently when it's real money than when it's play money and that leads us to some of the conversations about first root first roots mission is to put real money into the into schools and then support kids through participatory budgeting as they decide how to spend it so i don't i'm not really to be candid i'm not a fan of stock market games or crypto games or simulations because at the end of the day it's kind of like when you're you know when you're playing call of duty I'll be really risky because, Hey, if I die, I just, you know, come back. I'm pretty sure if I was in a real war zone, I would not be risky, (laughs) right? I'm not going to run around and, and, (laughs) you know, and I know I'm being extreme here, but I'm making a point when, when people are playing a game with stocks, they're often extremely risky. It doesn't matter. But those behaviors do start to seep into their into their decision-making. They, they get riskier with money. Sometimes the best thing that can happen to someone when they're young is they lose a little money in the stock market or they lose a little money in crypto. So they start to say, okay, I'd like to learn a little bit more about this. So when my kids uh, have been investing, they they've been investing very small amounts of money. I mean, we're not talking like, you know, cause you know, we're not rich, but it's, it doesn't matter the amount. It matters that it's. Uh, it, it matters that they're investing their money. And now they talk to me about, okay, Dad, um, you know, one of my kids had a joke with me when GameStop was being pumped and it was a meme stock. He he sends yeah. me a text message. He's like, Dad, I'm going to put all my money in GameStop. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? No, no. And they wrote back and say, I got I got you. I was just kidding. He goes, of course, yeah. I'm not going to put money into GameStop. It has no fundamentals. It's it's yeah. declining. <laughs> and I think that, that right. But that's the point, is that when you have real money in the hands of people, they make better decisions. And that's what we're doing with schools. We go to schools uh, around the world and we'd love to you know crack open schools in India. And by putting money in the hands of kids, the school improves, because the kids have very good insights into how to make the school better. Um, and they learn the the truth and the, and the reality about how to make hard budget decisions. And that's exciting.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I also agree with your simulation part, because I also myself have been, uh playing these uh, stock games and uh, have been taking riskier position in those games but uh, it really is nothing compared to when you are actually making those uh, riskier decisions on your depository accountant for real money and you actually get to learn a lot and uh, yeah that's that's completely true
2: yeah I think I I will say uh, this the other part about budgeting is the notion of spending. And, and I want to go back to what we do at First Root, right? We, at First Root, we, we go to a school, we give them money. The school kids are guided through a five-step process of how to make choices and how to spend that money. But I'm going to actually talk about a little bit about Morgan Housel and and a few of those people. Um, I think Morgan Housel is a great, for for Mm. the record, everyone should get and read his book, The Psychology of Money. It's a great book there's one small criticism I have to make about it. And that is the way he writes, he writes as if the goal of your life is to save as much money as you possibly can so that when you die, you have a massive bank account. And all his stories are about people who die with millions of dollars. And personally, I'm like, you know, I'm dead. How how in the (laughs) world is that money benefiting me? Yeah. So there's another person who writes about finance that I really like uh, and that's uh Seth Ramey um he writes uh the book I will teach you to be rich and he has the uh I will teach you to be rich website have you seen that work or have you seen his website um n- no but I will often... yeah add that to the show notes and the reason why I like Seth is is his definition of a rich life is not based on how much money you have in the bank account it's how you're spending the money that you have to create enjoyment and fulfillment. And one of his pieces of advice that I've taken, because I think it's really good advice, is you don't judge how other people spend money. And I wanna say it again, don't judge how other people spend money. And I'll, I'll use another story from my life. I'm a little older, but it'll make sense. Three houses down the road, we have amazing friends. Just people we love, we hang out with. They're amazing people, and one of the reasons we, my wife and I, love going over their houses, they serve, they they drink really good wine. I mean, they spend more money on wine than I would ever spend. They you, know, I buy, and I you have to adjust the money because uh, of American and Indian different exchange rates. But think of it this way: like my wife and I, we buy ten dollar bottle of wine; they buy fifty dollar bottle. Of wine and you can tell the difference it's really good yeah so i don't judge them though because i have four kids and they are two professionals who decided not to have kids so when i'm spending money on um and it's a choice right i chose to have kids and so when i'm spending money on piano lessons or dance lessons or whatever um we're not spending money online they don't have kids and what are they gonna do? Just keep making money? Like for what purpose? Well, they love food, they love wine, so why not buy a good bottle of wine? And and I think that one of the challenges is one of, and I may be misinterpreting Morgan Housel and I don't mean to, but I never saw in his book the joyful part of money. I saw the work part of money I saw the cautious part of money. I saw the invest and hold and and have value stocks part of money and be conservative. And um, he holds a lot of his money in cash because he's nervous about the future. Like I get all that. But where was the part of, you know, I work my ass off. I'd like to go out with my friends. And I don't want to feel guilty about um, spending money on a dinner or going to a movie or going to a concert or going on vacation I, I, there's there's a part of money that's joyful uh, or or I want to like uh, I care about animals like I really love and I know in India you have uh, the dogs right um, part of my team um, uh, is in India for first route uh, my product management my head of product management is in Bangalore uh, he he's our strategist oh, wow. for the product and along with some developers and some other stuff um, and we have some developers in Mexico and some other people in America like every company is distributed now and um you know his thing is he's a he's a one of those DIY people he loves to make things on his own so he spends his money he's like yeah i just bought a printer and a welder and i'm like you have a welder he's like yeah i have an arc welder and i'm like like okay (laughs) Okay. and he's like he's like i got a metal table and i make stuff and that's what he does on weekends and that's his his way to spend his money because again why do we make money and and that's my only concern is that sometimes when young people hear about money they only hear save and invest and, you know, sometimes money should be used for like, go blow it. Like if if you, (laughs) you know, if if you like clothing, great. You know, one of my kids is a gamer, uh, Joe, and Joe's like, dad, I'm saving up for my own game. And I'm like, great. It's like, I'm gonna build my own monster machine. I'm like, great you it's your money like have a little fun with it and i think that that's an important message in personal finance yeah yeah oh, definitely definitely
0: like, i guess every source that i've read is the same thing like buy a lot of stocks hold it for a long term compound interest everything will go great but no one really talks about hey like life isn't just about saving like you you don't worry 24 7 about hey i got this salary i need to save this much. no one really talks about I mean, yeah, have, have some
2: fun. <laughs> yeah, so Seth Ramey, like one of his stories is, um, he he's like, I literally don't care what car I drive, I don't. It doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not a car person, but when I fly, I fly first class because I hate sitting in those tiny, cramped, awful seats. He says that's how I spend my money. He's, I have friends who are exactly opposite, that they're just car nuts. They had to get their BMW, they had to get their Mercedes, they had like, that's their thing. They want that luxury when they drive and when they fly, they don't care. Yeah, it's just flying. And so that's that notion of not judging, of knowing what you're gonna invest in. And of course, you you know, the underlying um, decision is just be responsible. I'm not saying that uh, you should fly first class if you truly can't afford it. Um, It's about, but it is about not uh, doing more than with your money than just buying stocks and holding it forever
3: yeah yeah that's that's true like what do you earn money for (laughs) so what uh, what do
2: you have money for
3: yeah exactly so uh yeah so our next question uh, is actually about uh, students itself so what are your top five tips for students who are just out of college uh what uh, tips will you give to them about financial literacy
0: top and five once one thing i'd like to add here before you sure. answer i'm sorry sorry to interrupt so sure. one thing i'd like to add is that uh, the the question is basically based on how st- most of the majority of the students to do have don't have uh, money right now or they have not earned anything yet Excluding the few uh, like people who have maybe done some side hustles, as you've mentioned, and they have some money. But this is basically for those who don't have money at the moment, but like to prepare them for the journey of personal finance when they start earning and how to, you know, in, as you, I, I guess you have already mentioned many tips and f- throughout the current, like till now, there have been a lot of tips that actually can count in this question. But yeah, I just wanted to make that sure. That's it
2: right um i'm writing them down because no one's ever asked me that simple question in real time and i don't know if i really have a ready list of 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 um uh uh tips um
0: uh, take it down please
2: no i got it um and so i there they are i wrote them down um so student comes out of college doesn't have a lot of money and they're starting out in their life um the the most important first piece of advice is create and have a budget you're probably going to be wrong in your budget when you start off but having a budget is better than not having a budget and i had this conversation with my youngest uh, child danella and uh she said dad why is it so important to have a budget and i said well when you don't have a budget you can't make choices about money in a good way or a bad way and she said well give me an example i said well remember last week you got a phone call um and she's also a lifeguard right so she teaches lessons at at swimming and she's a lifeguard and i said remember last week you got a phone call and someone didn't show up to their shift and they desperately needed the lifeguard and you immediately went to the pool and you picked up three extra hours of work as an extra shift. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, that gave you a little extra money, right? She's like, yeah, it was really great. I said, well, people who don't have a budget absorb that money and then it just kind of gets spent. But because you have a budget, you perceive it as extra. And now that it's extra, you can make a conscious choice about what to do with it. I said, so what did you do with that extra money? She said, well, I put a little bit into my savings and I put a little bit into uh, a friend, a present for a friend whose birthday that I wasn't necessarily gonna buy something for. And I put a little bit into a fund that I'm saving up for, for buying. I'm like, yes, you made a a choice. And so I think that when we talk about um, money and again, Uh, you've read the books, you know, the piece of advice is, you know, have an emergency fund because something's going to go wrong. Well, that's fine. And things go wrong. But my response to that is have a budget because sometimes things go better. And if you don't have a budget and things go better, you don't have a conscious way of leveraging that and, and making a really good choice. So for me, budgets are not restrictive. Budgets give me that like, Opportunity to say, wow, this is going well, and I get to do something good with my money. So, number one is have a budget. The second is something we've already talked about, which is um, make sure that you do have some enjoyment in your life. I I think that uh, now, enjoyment doesn't have to be a lot of money. When I was your age, I was really poor. I didn't have money, I didn't have an income, but we would find ways to have fun. Um, We would uh I, I was living at the time in um, Michigan and we couldn't go out much, but we could buy cheap beer and go to the park and play frisbee. And so we played frisbee I mean we we did things like that for fun. So we found ways to have enjoyment. Um, the third is find a way to invest for no other reason than the the notion of compounding in time is in your favor. So even if it's a small investment, it, it, it's a good discipline to get into. So that's number three. Number four, we've already talked about, and that is to make sure every job you take when you're young out of college is helping you learn. It's got to help you learn. It cannot just be a job. Uh, and, if, and if you're, in, and be picky, especially if you're graduating with a technical degree. Uh, technical people are in demand around the world. Don't accept a job that doesn't let you learn, make sure that that job is going to help you grow and and be around yourself, uh, surround yourself at work with people who are going to help you grow. And then the last thing is um, your friends will change as you age and as you find your life partner, uh, you may decide to get married. And so, make sure that your life partner is aligned with you about money. It it is that important. And make sure your friends are uh, people who have the same kind of financial values. I've had some friends that have stayed with me my entire life. And I've also had some friends of mine that became friends and then we've kind of separated. And some of the reasons that we've separated is that I just didn't agree with how they manage their money and they would wanna do things that I didn't wanna do with my money. Um, and, and then they would get into a judgment state. Oh, how come you're not going on this big fancy trip with us, you know, you're yeah. you're whatever. And I'd be like, well, I'm not judging you for taking the trip. Don't judge me for not taking the trip. So making sure that you have the right uh, friends and eventually the right like, life partner um is is really important about uh, uh starting off and so those would be my five pieces of advice okay yeah oh no
0: they're perfect they're perfect i feel the even the order especially i guess the fourth one is my favorite because that's one thing it's very simple but very very powerful because uh recently i was like just looking at some workshop and even everywhere people I guess, not not many people focus on that, but the value of upskilling yourself is much more higher than, I guess, the financial aspect, especially in our age. And I don't think many people talk about that. Everyone is just like start investing, but they're not really focused on that. Well, there's
2: actually a, be- a better beta for upskilling. Um, in your early career, you're gonna make more money faster if you focus on your jobs and your skills, um, because you'll get raises and you'll get promotions. Eventually, that will taper out. Um, And in fact, I had this, um, there's a young man who was working for me, Donovan, brilliant guy. I mean, Donovan has a PhD in education and he has an engineering degree from Michigan. Um, He's a great guy. And he said, hey, uh, uh, he was working for me part-time and he's like, hey, I've got this job offer that's really good. And I'm like, well, tell me the details. And he, he gave me the details. He's like, that's a better job than, than here at First Root, you should take that job. And he's like, wow, I said, well, it's just, it's gonna give you a chance to learn and grow in your career, but it also is gonna pay you more money, right? So it's giving you all of the things. He said, well, what about um, getting another degree? I'm like, you have a PhD. No one's gonna pay you more for another degree. Like you've tapped out your education and I think that especially in certain cultures and especially in certain families, they overvalue education. Like there's a point where like I got a master's degree in computer science from Michigan and I really did consider getting a PhD. And I was like, why? I've got to spend four more years, at least maybe five, getting a PhD from a master's. My incremental delta of the amount of money I'm going to make is negligible between a master's and a PhD. I'm going to go get a job now. Right, and so I think that that this notion of learning on the job is really critical, um, and, and that's where you keep growing in your delta. Like a high school student with no degree, getting a college degree is a provable delta. A bachelor's, a, a master's degree over a bachelor's is is generally a delta. A PhD, eh? Right. Now that doesn't mean don't get a PhD. Like if that's your love and you want to be a professor, great, go get a PhD. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of income, right, then you move into getting a job and then you look at your job and you're like, okay, what kind of job am I getting and and how is that job going to progress?
0: Thank you. Firstly, this concludes our question segment. And for the audience, uh, what we want to tell you, especially what we want to highlight one thing is that check out firstroot.co especially because the website itself is very informative you'll learn a lot through the website itself because you have the curriculum you have toolkits everything is available there so you can see what you're getting uh, and then explore that because that is something that is a resource that will really help you for budgeting
2: go to first Root and you'll see all the details there's videos there's software Um, if you'd like to try it out, you can try it out for free. Um, so the app is free for small groups and, uh, it's a very low cost app for larger groups and schools and we support schools with curriculum, uh, and we even help schools raise money for their programs. And so it's a, it's a lot of fun and it works really well and the kids do great stuff. So I, and I'd love to bring this into every school around the world. So check it out, try it out. Firstroot.co yes so thank you very much for that and now
1: coming to the audience segment that we have so Sanidhya has the first question and that is what areas other than stocks can we use to grow our money and how to pick these stocks
2: hey guys i think it's really interesting to think about areas other than stocks that people can use to grow their money and, and and then you wrote in how to pick those stocks well The way I personally go about picking stocks is I try to align to macroeconomic trends and also create a balance of foundation stocks and uh, growth stocks. So let's look at the balance part and the foundation part. We know that people need food and clothing and shelter. And so I think that finding stocks or REITs that deal with food, clothing and shelter is, is pretty important. And I also include in that things like clean water and clean power production. In terms of growth, if you want to grow your money, you want to be involved in some kind of a growth stock, which means you're going to take a little bit more risk. But of course, you want to look at technology areas that are growing. And I, again, I think that the, the mix is important for um, uh, young people. You want to be weighted towards equities and growth as you're young. And I wanna stand by my prior advice. When you're young, you're still likely to get the best return on improving your ability to do your job and working hard and growing in your skills so that you can advance in your career.
1: The second question is by Vinod and he asks, what are your general tips for budgeting? How to make the split for the same?
2: Well, budgeting shouldn't be hard. And we actually have budgeting uh, spreadsheets that you can download at First Root. Budgeting is the basics. I want to have so much for saving. I want to have so much for uh, spending in terms of uh, discretionary or joyful spending. And I want to have so much for my uh, required or needed spending. And then we look at the basics of uh, how much do I need for room and board or shelter? rent, apartment, mortgage, how much do I need for food beyond or or before I go out to eat and do pleasurable food. We know that there's a lot of money that's wasted on people going out to lunch, kind of because they're lazy. They don't want to pack a lunch or or bring a lunch. So I think that part of it is just learning to be a little bit disciplined about how you spend your money.
1: The third question is by Kasim and he asks, What books, movies, courses, videos would you recommend for someone who wants to be financially literate?
2: Well, there's a lot of uh, great books out there. Uh, Some of the classics, Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, is a great book. Um, Money Psychology or The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel is a great book. Um, I mentioned in the show, I Can Teach You How to Be Rich by Seth Ramey. Other authors that I think have written lots of good books work and good books are Beth Cobliner. Um, uh, She's written a number of good books. I wrote, or I mentioned The Art of Execution as a book uh, in, in the show, which I think is really important. And then the last book is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which is a little old, but it's still a timeless classic about how to kind of think about and manage choices about money and life.
1: That's great. And the last question is by Shonak. and he asks what are some common mistakes people make with finances that students should avoid?
2: Well, the most common mistake is having a habit of living beyond your means and that habit can get worse if you're not disciplined. And what I mean by that is there's a term called lifestyle inflation. And what lifestyle inflation means is that I get a job and I learn how to live within the means of that job. And then I might get a raise or a bonus and I immediately increase my lifestyle. So I'm not really getting ahead. I'm just spending more money. Uh, let's say that I had a, a nice, um, a normal car and I get a raise at work or I get a bonus and then I go out and buy a high performance car. Well, did I really need to do that? And the most common mistake is therefore developing a bad habit about how we spend money. And what we want to have is a good habit about how we manage and spend money.
1: And that's great. Thank you, Luke. So, coming to the last segment that we have, and these are basically consisting of two questions that we ask all our guests. And the first, I'll split it for you. And the first question is what was the best mistake of your life that you ever made that gave a very positive return or learning?
2: I think the best mistake I ever made was in my last company, Contenio, I didn't put enough attention into the design and beauty of the product. Now, it created a positive return because the, the product was very solid, but it wasn't necessarily very beautiful. And the positive return in learning that I'm taking forward in first Root is to create really, really beautiful software and really beautiful designs and websites. And I think that that's an important uh, learning and return.
1: Okay, okay. And the second question that we have, and the last question of this, this whole episode is, are there any books or movies that deeply impacted your life?
2: Well, I read a lot, so it's hard to pick just one book that deeply impacted my life. In my career, probably the most impactful book was by Fred Brooks, uh, by Fred Brooks, called The Mythical Man Month. And The Mythical Man Month is just an amazing book in, about software development and software systems. And I reference it and I quote it. So that's a very influential book, uh, deeply impacting my life. There's also a article from a writer, Annie Dillard, called Living Like Weasels, Uh, you can find it on the internet, uh, Living Like Weasels by Annie Dillard, and I think it's beautifully written, and it's been deeply impactful. In terms of movies, I don't really have any movies that deeply impacted my life. There's a lot of movies I think are fun, and I tend to think of movies more as entertainment, so I have a lot more fun with movies than thinking of them as serious thing uh, serious things or impactful things. Um but uh those are the answers to your questions. I hope this came through okay and I hope all of your listeners find a path to financial success that works for them. Thanks guys.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you so much Luke. Thank you for your participation in our episode and thank you for all the advice that you've shared here i'm hope uh, i hope that everyone can take something or the other from this episode and it's insanely valuable for us as hosts as as well so thank you thank you so much for your time and have a nice day